Today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online is brought to you by Apostrophe. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash ghost. When you use our code ghost, that's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, go to apostrophe.com slash ghost. To get started and use our code ghost and sign up and get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. Welcome to the program. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Love to hear them. Of course, you can write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. And uh, even if you want to, you can even send your ghost story to me. If you want to record it on your device and just shoot it over via email, you can do that too. Tony at realghoststoriesonline.com. Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? You know, last uh, program, we talked about the fact that I got an email from a listener over in the UK and, mm-hmm. and et cetera. Now I got an email from a listener, um, I think here uh, in the United States mm-hmm. uh, again, but wanted to know like all my other podcasts and where I am in the UK because she wants to listen. And you've got like a huge following on this podcast. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> It's one of those things, you know, when I'm sitting here in my garage studio, uh, it's it's like it's weird to think about, because if you if you if you quantify it, when you go, okay, the amount of people that hear an episode is comparable to what in real life, it's kind of it's like you're sitting in a stadium (laughs) and and you're you're sitting in the the center of uh, of an NFL stadium. And then that's your audience out there. Uh, everybody, you know, taking the show in different ways, whether they're driving to work or playing at uh, at home or or, or or working at school. We give you a better variety of ghost stories for your work day. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's crazy uh, where it, I mean, in the stories I, I hear of like what people are doing while they're listening to the show. And I'm not saying anything weird, but I had like one guy that was literally he paints castles in Ireland. Like interior paint with people have like, you know, bought them and they actually, you know, live in them and such. And he's like, that's what I do. I paint old castles. I oh, my God. Your- that would be a cool gig. It would be. I can't imagine like some like getting up there, those high, high ceilings. I don't know. I, that, that would be a gig. I don't think I could handle. But it's just that would be so creepy listening to some of these things in that sort of a setting. Did he ever say, like, in, in correspondence with you, ever say, like, he's been in some haunted castles? Because he had to have been. Yeah, I remember he had mentioned that there, there's there been places where he, you know, things were kind of spooky and creepy. I think that's why he likes to do what he does. Um, but we were the, the podcast he listens to while he does that. So it's just, it's bizarre. It'd be funny to, like, go on a castle tour someday and all of a sudden you hear, like, your own voice, like, off in the background. Like, what the hell is that? I guess it's just somebody listening to the podcast. Painting. No, I was just going to say, but it's not the podcast. Yeah. It's another version of you in another room. Now that would be very scary. That would be <laughs> the, uh, that would be the ultimate creepy one, but no, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting um, uh, to see this one. Um, we have some other ones too. the uh, true crime today. And we're following uh, the Idaho murders and some other ones, the Anna Walsh case. 
And just seeing where the, the listeners come in and the numbers of people come in from all over the world uh, following some of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's hard to wrap your mind around, I guess. But it's fun, <laughs> so I like doing it. Back to our conversation in just a couple of seconds. I don't know about you, but uh, does anyone else not like getting unsolicited advice, <laughs> especially when it comes to your appearance? Or it's like, you know... Those uh, those uh, those dark spots under your eyes. You just need to drink more water. Just do, like okay, there's a lot of buzz when it comes to finding what's right for your skin. But in my opinion, it's best to get real advice from actual people who know what they're talking about. They call them experts. Yes, they do exist, and it's because they know what they're talking about. That's why I'm excited to be partnering with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin or wrinkle treatment. I'm using that. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral or topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. Simply fill out an online consultation about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies, and a board-certified dermatologist will create an initial customized treatment plan for you. Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments for all types of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne, even back, chest, butt acne, it's all there for you. Uh, so whatever you need, what are your skincare goals? Acne, uh, adult care, reduce dark spots, improve skin texture. For me, it was specifically wrinkles. I, I, I don't think I'm that wrinkly yet, but you know, the more I can kind of get on top of that before, I'd like to look like Casey Kasem by the time I, I was, uh, was his age. I just don't want the same wife. Uh, we have a special deal for our audience. Get your first for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash ghost. When you use our code ghost, that's an average savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, go to apostrophe.com slash ghost. Then click get started. Then use your code ghost to sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Um, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories for uh, to us. Let's get our first letter. It says, hey, guys, love the show. Little backstory. I'm very close to my grandparents and spend a lot of my days off visiting them and spending the night with my grandma. We enjoy lying in bed, drinking wine, and watching the Golden Girls. I have a little Yorkie, and my grandma has a little poodle mix. They love to play, and I always bring my dog with me when I visit. My grandma's house is a big, beautiful Victorian home built in 1900. She lives on the river in a small town in Iowa. Growing up, my sister would never stay at our grandma's house and refused to use the bathroom upstairs by herself. Someone always had to walk with her and wait outside the door. My sister claimed there was a maid that lived in the attic. My family and I always laughed at her and thought she was just being a chicken shit or making up stories. Fifteen years later, I'm 27 at the time and about eight months pregnant, having one of my sleepovers I have with my grandma. Her bedroom is large and rounded like the outside of a castle. Her bed is placed along the wall in the middle of the room with the attic door directly across the bed. Next to the attic door is the TV on top of an old antique dresser. TV timer is set and we fall asleep to the voices of Blanche, Dorothy, Sophia and Rose. Wow, could this like not fall on a better show, uh, this story, <laughs> than with you yes. on it? Uh, the, the room is dark, and I wake to the floor creaking from what sounds like my dog prancing around, wanting to go outside for her midnight potty break. 
I sit up and squint at the alarm clock. It blinks 2.35 a.m. As I sit up and pull the covers off and start to climb out of bed, I notice that both dogs are still in bed sleeping. Confused and groggy, something catches my eye. I look to my right towards the attic door and notice this glowing white figure. It's an old-fashioned maid walking through the door. Her hair is brown, pulled up in a bun. She had an old feather duster. Her dress is long black and has a typical white apron. She walks along the side of the room dusting. It was like I was watching an old-fashioned TV show in black and white. I sat there a minute and froze. Couldn't believe what I was seeing. While watching her, I literally pinched my hand to see if I was dreaming, and I wasn't. I pinched my hand again harder just to make sure that I immediately laid down and pulled the covers over my head like a child. I peeked out of a small hole under the blanket to see if she was still there, and she was. She was still there dusting away like she was in her own time warp. I shook my grandma, told her to wake up and turn the TV on. and The maid disappeared after that. The next morning, I texted my sister telling her the maid is real. and apologized for not believing her after all those years. She called me crying, saying she tried to tell me she wasn't making it up. To this day, I still stay with my grandparents and haven't seen the maid since. I'm now 32. After I told Grandma what I had seen, Grandma would tell me how her dog would growl and bark and nothing, but has since stopped. I don't know if it was the remodel my grandma was doing at the time or my being pregnant. I didn't ever grow up seeing spirits and have more stories. I'll share some time. P.S. At 27 years old, my sister still needs someone to walk with her up to the bathroom and wait for her. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Uh, so that's interesting and very creepy that uh, you have the, the maid still working. But I, I wonder, is that an intelligence thing or is that a residual just, you know, kind of doing its thing? In fact, that's funny because I always, while you're telling stories, I write notes about them because mm -hmm. it's my, my, the easiest way for me to remember things. And besides writing down Golden Girls, I wrote down residual right away because that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like this made this individual spent a lot of time doing this task and likely her energy was left behind in the long run. I wonder why, you know, this was the first time this particular individual saw it while her sister had so many visions of it before. Um, and also interesting that, you know, somehow the attic was involved. Like, I think in the story, she said she came in through the attic or something like that. But yeah, it sounds residual to me. Certainly not threatening. But I think after years and years and years of hearing your sister tell stories about the maid and you, you know, kind of blowing her off. This is kind of a kind of a little bit of a slap in the face. My question is, does anything actually get cleaned? Because <laughs> if not, get out of my house. If not, but leave. other than that, yeah. you can stay. Yeah. Because, I mean, that could like scare off real maids. If, uh, you know, like <laughs> constantly have to get new housekeepers because it's like, oh, the maid keeps scaring them away. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, that I there's been other ghosts I think we've heard of that have done cleaning utility type things. And I don't believe anything ever truly does get cleaned with that. That would be great, though. That would be I would I would totally if I knew what I would get by messing with a Ouija board. And if I tried to conjure up a house cleaning service, uh, I think that would be great. You could get free work like that done and it's spirits and they're able to you know get rid of dust. It's a, it's a very, you know, light you know, thing that could be cleaned. I would think that that would be up the uh, the alley if you're a ghost and you want to do a job of some sort.
this might be your demise. Like I was just playing with the Ouija board so I could get someone to clean my house or help me move or something like that. And then it's, you know, you, you bring up the wrong person, you bring up Zool or something like that. And then your life is screwed after that. I just wanted to save a buck. And it's like, <laughs> no housekeeper, only Zool. Yeah, I, exactly. Um, did I ever tell you the story that I did with uh, Harper when she was a baby? Um, what did you do? <laughs> so when she was able to start talking a little bit, I taught her fun things to say um, oh. when we were like at a restaurant or something. And so she would, she was like literally still in her car in her carrier. And she looked, she literally looked like a porcelain doll for a good portion of time because she didn't have any hair. Um, and, uh, and her hair came in really, really light. She's a redhead, but she was like know, one and a half two before you can really kind of tell this child has hair. And um, so she looked like just this innocent, wonderful thing. And, Someone go, oh, look at the baby. And then I taught her to look at people and go, because she could, she did this little voice that she liked to do where you, you crackle it like in the back of your throat, like the, uh, oh my God, the no hoppa. So she would say, no hoppa, only Zool. Oh God. <laughs> it was great fun. People would look at me like, what? What's, like, oh, I don't know. You know, she's been messing with crucifixes lately. I don't know what's going on. How, uh, how, uh, how's she doing in life? Is she pretty well adjusted now or what? She's great. She, uh, she likes to go. <laughs> Here's a funny one too. So we're house hunting right now. And, uh, we were looking at some houses the other day and there was one that had a laundry chute in it. And there was some access to kind of like almost hidden ish kind of rooms, uh, where it's just like storage closets and stuff. Uh, but we were joking that Harper, because Harper loves tiny spaces. She likes to to hang out in them, make little forts out of them and all that. And some of these houses are just filled with them. And we we're joking, you know, Harper, you know, we're, she's going to like find a way to get into the walls. <laughs> and it's like you hear knocking. It's like, what's that? Oh, Harper, she lives in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> and I could totally see her attempting to do that. But there's there's been some interesting ones that I've looked at. There's been some uh, yesterday that I went through. Very, um, they, they were originally designed to be French, what farmhouse French or something. I forget what the term is. It was kind of big in the early nineties, um, where it, very, it's Victorian, um, but kind of farm is where everybody had to have like the bottles of olive oil and, um, like peppers and stuff in them. And so they're a little bit dated. They're probably, you know, we're in their prime back then, but the people are ready to move out. Their kids grew up uh, and they need a little bit of work here and there. But there was one I went into yesterday and the living room was like a cathedral. Like literally Ooh. it had, it was like the, the cathedral ceilings with like the big wooden beams and everything. It looked like a church and it was like bigger than some churches I've been in in this living room. And I'm like, oh, over here's where we're going to put the altar. And <laughs> I made so many comments, but like they were, but they're on the outside. This one had like, um, it had uh, shingles that were made out of wood. Uh, I, I'm, I'm horrible on what these things are all called shaker shingles, I think. And, yeah. and the moss and it's all solid wood or not solid red, you know, brick and mortar and the mosses kind of grow. They look like freaking haunted houses, um, but they're kind of bigger, you know, mansion-y type things. And they, there was just, it was like this total creepy factors walking around some of these and then walking out to like the backyard where it kind of goes into like what you think of like a garden or something. 
It was very much like playing Resident Evil, but in real life house hunting. You know, that could make for a fun podcast or at least a video cast or something like that. Oh you just house God. hunting. Oh, my gosh. It was so interesting. We have one that and by the time this airs, we'll probably know what's going on. But there's one that we really like that's not haunted housey, but it's it's huge. Um, and it it's just like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know there was a hallway over there. You kind of get lost a little bit. But we're going to have what? Six of us. So we need space and five dogs. <laughs> So. It's the freaking Brady Bunch now. You just got to get Alice. Oh, actually, you know what? On the episode earlier this week, me and Carol were joking about that because she's like, I'll <laughs> come out there and, and I'll be your housekeeper, too, and do this. I'm like, it'd be great. You'd be like Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Literally talked about that on the previous episode. <laughs> oh, we're all too much alike. On oh, this thing. I know. I know. It's crazy. All right. Uh, next one says, hey, Tony Harper, Carol and Todd, hope you guys are going well. I have a few paranormal activities to share with you today. Before I share my first story, let me start by saying that I've never encountered paranormal activity in my whole life until 2022. One day I decided to redo my bedroom. I was cleaning everything up and taking stuff out to the bins outside. When I came back inside, I noticed that I left something on the carpet. So I pick it up, turn around, and then the most clearest voice ever, I hear a little girl say, help me. Now I have no siblings living with me. So there are no little kids around just me in my room. I heard that voice. I couldn't see her, but I could picture her in my head. I could tell how tall and short she was, but I could not see what she looked like. I got really creeped out about that. And I couldn't go into my room for a good two hours or so. After hearing that, I've never heard it again. My next story is at school. I went on for about a week at home at first, I didn't think anything of it until I saw it at school. One day, I was sitting on the freshly cut grass at the back of the school on my phone with my friends. When I put my phone back in my dress pocket, I looked over and saw a tall black figure in front of some trees that we walked past every day. It was the shadow man, but he was taller, skinnier, had a top hat on. I told my best friend about it, and she said that it's probably nothing. A day later, I saw it again, but this time at the back of the school where we sat. But back further, I told my guy friends about it, and they went to have a look. I followed them until I felt like the shadow man was keeping me from moving closer. So I walk away, letting the guys check it out. I went and sat on a bench, and I started crying. I felt like the shadow man was trying to hurt me, not physically, but mentally. When the bell went to go to class, the guys told me that they saw it, except my best friend's boyfriend. He didn't see it at all. A day after that, I was home because I was sick, I think. I was watching Netflix, and I got up to see where the dogs were outside, and I see him again that night. I just started crying, and I was saying, what do you want from me? I started saying, I'm sorry, over and over again. After that, I never saw it again. My last story is very quick. To understand this little better, I never really saw my nan growing up, and in 2020, she passed away from old age. She's my dad's mom, not like that doesn't matter. Anyway, one night I was trying to get to sleep. I felt an arm on my shoulder, and I knew at that moment it was my nan saying, I'm still here. Don't forget me. Thank you for taking the time to read my story. I hope it wasn't too long. Bye. <laughs> That's that. Thoughts? Um, you know, hearing, I think hearing a kid's voice is sometimes scarier than hearing like a gravelly man's voice or something like that. I had an experience in my house um, where I would be, you know, getting ready for work early in the morning, doing early morning radio and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And from some point in the house, I would hear like a, a little child girl giggle or something like that. 
Mm. Like to me, that's creepier than hearing something growl while I'm investigating or something like that. For some reason, it's either like the demon or the child that's the scariest. Because sometimes you wonder if the child's really a child or if it's something kind of playing with you. You see, I would go almost all the time with it's something playing with you. I know I could be wrong on that. And there's been many cases where it seems to be that way. But I, I think that's where my mind would go right away. It's something trying to entice you to interact with it. And then it's going to you know, turn into something else. Yeah. And then there you go again. Another shadow guy wearing a freaking top hat. What is it with the top hats? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's, you know, there's a place in time where there was a lot of top hats. Are we, is it just kind of that group of folks from back then that that's how they project themselves? Kind of shadowy, still wearing their top hats? Maybe, but boy, there's an awful lot of them. Did every did everyone wear top hats back then, or just people who had some cash? I don't know. I don't know if it was like a top hat society, or if it, when you look at some of the old pictures, like everybody has them. Like 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 when you're like, oh, it's a big downtown, and they they the city is being built, and it's like here's the city picture. Everybody's got a top hat on in a lot of those pictures, whether they were rich or not, because they were just kind of part of it. I think maybe you had like your good top hat that you would take out every once in a while. Sounds like the Baba Duke to me. I wonder if top hats will ever come back. <laughs> I hope not. I don't think I'd look good in one. I've never worn a top hat. I mean, that would be. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm going to start a new trend. Start wearing a top hat around. That'll be great. You know, tonight I'm going to uh, my fiance's uh, son's basketball game. I think I'm going to wear a top hat to that and just. See well, that. again, will he, after you get involved, is he going to be well-adjusted in life? That'll be my question. <laughs> he's already pretty well-adjusted, which is okay. <laughs> and he's pretty twisted in humor as well, which I love because it's like uh, it, it takes a lot for me to laugh sometimes. But it's like he just comes up with the randomest of shit. <laughs> and it's just like, this is great. You're, yeah, it's funny. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Let's go to another uh, letter. It says, hey there, I've had some weird things going on in my whole life. I've always been interested in the paranormal, but also skeptical, or so I would say. I've been told recently that I'm actually more sensitive due to my numerous edge-of-life experiences. You see, at my birth, I stopped breathing for some time, and coincidentally, my son, who's four, had the same birth experience I did. So I now worry he will or is having the same experiences as I. In my life, I have such vivid dreams that at times I do not know what is real or not. I also get such strong deja vu, whether it be conversations with people I've never met or going to places I've never been before. I won't get into everything I've ever experienced, but just the most recent and terrifying. Up until the past six months, I do not recall having neg any negative experiences. These started when me, my husband, and two kids moved in with my in-laws. You see, my mother-in-law is very sick. My father-in-law wanted to retire to care for her. We moved in to help with bills because my husband had a spinal fusion. We're a fairly religious family. My husband way more than I, but his mother is beyond against any form of religion. To the point that when the nurses were setting up her hospice information, she told them that she didn't want a priest, minister, etc. to step foot in her house. That comment itself gave me a bad feeling, but I ignored it. The energy in the house was so heavy and negative all the time. Almost Instantly, things began to happen. My son, who was always a happy, smiling little boy, turned angry with violent outbursts and began having dreams, images of black monsters with long claws under and around the beds. Not just his, but any bed. The thing is, I also had the same imagery, but never said anything. My husband and I fought bad. We could have been happy and fine all day, but as soon as we got to the house, 
and want to physically hurt each other. In fact, we both had visions of harming one another, and this never happened before. Sure, this could have all been the stress of living with my in-laws, so I brushed it all off. And I, my son, would wake up every single night around 3 to 4 a.m., and my son would come in, get in our bed. It was strange, but nothing crazy. Explain it away. The part that I can't quite explain away is the nightly presence. Every night while lying in bed, I'd get a feeling that someone was standing next to my bed. I'd wake up but refuse to open my eyes because I just knew someone was standing there. My husband's dog began lying next to me every night and would refuse to leave my side. He never acted like this before, and it's not like I spent much time with him. The nightly presence became so uncomfortable, I asked my husband to switch sides of the bed with me, and although I still woke every night, I no longer had the feeling of someone standing next to me. However, anytime I would go into the main house to use that restroom, I'd get a dark, uneasy feeling as if I was being watched or followed. The final straw was around Thanksgiving when someone or something actually got into bed with me. See, my husband and son were at my parents' house out of state, and my daughter was with her mother because I was closing a deal in our new house. So I was alone with my in-laws. My door was locked, lying in bed, sleeping. When I felt someone get into bed, I felt that dark, heavy presence again. I could have been dreaming. Sure, as I stated before, my dreams are always very real, but I don't think this happened every night until I left for my parents. Well, at my parents, nothing happened. Once we got back, it was the same dark heaviness. We moved out immediately. Now that we're in our new place, everyone is happier and lighter. My son is smiling again, laughing, something he had not done while at home in six months. The energy is light and positive. Getting back to church this past Sunday felt wonderful. Hope this made sense and I didn't ramble too much. That's interesting that you would at hospice be saying, I don't want a priest, a pastor, or anything coming near me. I, I sum it up a little bit more like, I, I'm good. No religious things. I'm, I'm good. It's almost like there's an aversion there. Yeah. And the, the fact that the house had so much illness and sadness before they got there, you know, the, uh, the woman was sick and the father, you know, it just, it sounds like to me, if, if before actually doing an, any investigating, it sounded, sounds like to me, like there's a dark presence there and may have some uh, influence on why people are feeling sick in that house or why obviously uh, this person and her husband were fighting all the time. I, I really think whether or not it's an actual entity, I think there can be negative energy. And I think that does fuel us to do things that we typically normally would. Sounds like a, it's, it sounds like a very dark story. Yeah. I guess it's chicken before the egg question though, too, is the negativity a product of the mother-in-law and, and not necessarily not having religion. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, you know, was she a negative person? Was there something negative, you know, that just kind of, her her energies were negative and they're still in the house and there was nothing positive or light to balance it. Well, I do believe, and we've talked about this a lot too, but like your, the way you conduct yourself with people, negative breeds negative mm -hmm. and positive breeds po positive. So certainly she could be feeding into it. And, and maybe there was a little bit of negative influence from someplace else within that house and uh, it kind of overtook her or whatever, but certainly her being negative and angry and unhappy or whatever didn't help matters. If nothing, if nothing else, it definitely fed it. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Thanks for sharing that one. Let's go to a caller at 855-853-4802. Hi. This is Matt from Oklahoma city. Called a couple of times before, uh, maybe most notably the 
story of the rain man in my backyard that you uh, ran on the show. And back in the early 90s, I was working graveyard shift and I was sleeping during the daytime. I slept with blackout uh, drapes on my windows and a pretty loud fan going during the day. And I woke up in the middle of the day and found that I was paralyzed. Uh, I didn't have any sort of pressure on my chest or my body, which is usually associated with incidents of sleep paralysis, as people report it. And I think that uh, scientists have the whole thing wrong on sleep paralysis because First of all, no scientist is ever going to admit or tell you that anything is paranormal or related to a ghost or spirits. Secondly, they oftentimes will admit that paranormal experiences are associated with sleep paralysis, but I think they confuse the cause and effect and get it backwards. Anyway, I woke up, uh, I saw a dark gray shrouded figure standing at the foot of my bed that was completely motionless and there were no facial features. Its face was covered with the shroud, but it was staring directly at me and didn't uh, waver from that stare the entire time. I was trying to rebuke it in the name of Yeshua. That's Jesus's original name as it was spoken when he was here on earth the first time, in case people don't know. Um, when I tried to do that, the only thing that came out initially were like animal noises. Um, I continued to try to fight to speak the words and uh, for what seemed to be like a minute or two, I gradually was able to get the words out and tell it to get out in the name of Yeshua. Now, when I was able to do that, it instantly disappeared. And I never saw that again. I did see an apparition later in life, much later in life, but uh, it was a quite a different experience. And I was awake and, um, sitting in an upright position when that occurred i'll call back later and tell you that story uh, i never saw the shrouded figure again i had a previous instance of uh, sleep paralysis but in that case i never opened my eyes and i could hear noises in the house which was empty aside from myself, but I never saw anything in that case. And this experience would lead uh, me on a path that I would follow later in life. My wife and I performed deliverance ministry, and perhaps I'll talk about that later. But for now, I'll leave it at that. Sounds very interesting and a very, you know, dark experience that he had as well. I have to say that quite often I, um, when it comes to like medicine and scientific stuff, um, 
I, I always wonder if they know the full story. Uh, because like like he said, sometimes I think that they're so closed off to believing that it could be anything other than what they can see under a microscope. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes we just, we give reasons for stuff. And I, we do it a lot with paranormal stuff anyway. Um, we've heard it a couple times tonight with stories where somebody said, yeah, I brushed it off. I really didn't think much of it because we're kind of trained to do that. And I think scientists and, and people of that nature are also trained to kind of say, well, no, because this is what we know. This is what we don't know. But like sleep paralysis, it's it's a really odd thing. And and I always wonder whether or not scientists really have that right or not. Sure. I I do wonder about that because it does seem to be kind of a area that's gray. Sometimes I, I think there is uh, truly it's a state of mind. But I, I don't I think there's almost two different things going on there. I think I think sleep paralysis gets labeled onto things that are not always sleep paralysis, I guess is what I'm trying to say, where it's not, I don't think necessarily sleep paralysis is the gateway into something paranormal. I think there is a true scientific thing that happens in our minds that, that that's similar though to um, the paralysis that may be something paranormal that's happening to you. But I think they're two different things. Right, right. Just with, it's a label type thing. But no, it's, yeah, easy, uh, easy to slap a label on and just say that's it. Exactly. It's like looking at uh, serial killers and stuff and going psychopath or sociopaths or, nar- or narcissist. That's what I'm doing half the time now during the day. I'm like looking at the charts going, well, they have the trait of this over here as I try to self-diagnose crazy people, which is kind of fun. It's kind of interesting to. Uh, and that, that, that coming from you is kind of interesting, by the way. What? A diagnosing uh, serial killers? <laughs> Tony doing that. Yes, yeah. it's a little interesting. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, qualified to diagnose anything, but it's uh, it's just kind of fun to uh, to play with a little bit. All right, that's going to wrap up today's episode of uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com or Apple Podcast. Try for three days free. Get access to all the bonus episodes, advanced episodes. It's all there for you to binge away on commercial free go check that out until next time for todd and all of us at real ghost stories online i'm tony brewski thanks for listening